Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I, um, I have noticed some things in, uh, in my walk with uh, God. Um, I have found that um, basically the, the people who... who who, whose faith remains, people who, who, who stretch out over the long term have a similar, have a similar trait, I have found. Uh, now, you know, the Bible talks a lot about people beginning well. We want to be people who end well. Amen. We want to end well. Like, I don't want to have a good beginning and then at the end just be hanging on and barely making it. I want to end well. And, and what I have seen is there is a... Um, there's a, there's a trait, and now this isn't, uh, you know, uh, across the board, but uh, it seems that people who are able to make it through the rough seasons of life, the hard seasons of life, the seasons of disappointment are, are generally people who are able to stay grateful in the midst of trials. There, 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 there is this, um, this cultivating of gratefulness in the midst of things not going well that um, holds people through the valleys of life. And on that note, um, you know, when we get into a valley, it's easy for us to lose the big picture of what's happened in our life, right? Like, so maybe you run into some disappointment, some things don't go well, maybe your marriage hits a rough patch or your finances hit a little tough time and whatnot. And all of a sudden, we forget about everything God did in our lives. Like, all of a sudden, we're not excited about this. This is why they prayed, return the joy of my salvation. You remember when you got saved? And if you haven't yet, I, I pray that you experience this today. But when you come uh, into contact with the living God and His life gets on your life, and all of a sudden, your entire brain is realigned to recognize that what just happened is more important than anything that could ever happen, right? And you're grateful and you're joyful that you're now in Christ, right? And, and, and there's times um, that just other things become more important. They, they, they talk about, you know, you lose the forest through the trees. And if you ha- haven't heard that, it's a saying it means like, you know, well, I see a tree and I see a tree and I see a tree, but I don't see the forest. You lose the forest through the trees. And there's times that people um, in the midst of just seeing the one tree in front of them, the one struggle that's in front of them, lose the entire journey that Christ has brought them on. And they, and they start thinking that their entire um, relationship with God is about this one financial struggle or this one health battle or this one friend who turned on them or the one misunderstanding. Uh, and, and, and God wants us to, 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 to lay hold of Christ and even in the hard times recognize the big picture of who Jesus Christ is, not just in our life, but in our family, in our city, in our country, in the whole world. Not losing the, the big picture of who Christ is. Now, as we are working our way through the book of Luke, we've gotten our way to Luke chapter 6. And I, I, without hyperbole, I want to say this might be the most important chapter in this story that Luke is telling. Now, I know later on there's the crucifixion and say, how is it? I'm not saying what happens in this story is the most important thing in history, but I'm saying that Luke is telling a story in, uh, in this 
book that he's written, in this letter that he's written, as he's been commissioned by a wealthy patron to write this story of Luke and later Acts. He's telling this story. And, uh, and, and, and in Luke chapter 6, man, there, there is a massive, massive turn that happens. And if you miss it, you're going to miss the story Luke is trying to tell. Uh, it's, it's like when um, you're watching a movie. My wife and I like to watch movies in bed. Um, I don't know why. I never liked watching movies in my entire life. And uh, somehow, after 20-some years of marriage, the thing that my wife loves is the thing I find myself doing. Right? So that's what we do. And so we'll sit in our bed, and we'll be watching a movie. And uh, we have two adult children. And uh, one may just want to come talk to us at 1130 at night uh, while we're watching a movie. And we get a little flustered and we have to pause it because sometimes, you know, like you're at that pivotal scene and that one line changes the entire meaning of the movie. You, you, you know what I mean? And, and so we're like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. And, and it's like, what? I just wanted to talk. And it's not that you wanted to talk. It just happened to be the timing was very important. And I overreacted from what you were doing. But in the sense of the movie, I really needed that one line. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you've been there, Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you miss that scene, you're like, I don't understand what's, what's happening. Here's Luke chapter 6. And if you miss what happens here, you're not going to get the rest of the story. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to like really hammer this home. Um, because, you know, in this, in, this, in this chapter, we have some Sabbath healings. And, and we have, um, he appoints the disciples. And uh, he preaches the Beatitudes. And he talks about the sin of judgment. And he talks about sowing and reaping. Then he talks about how offended people are like a poisoned tree. And if you eat the fruit from it, you get poisoned. And he talks about building your life on firm foundation. And you can look at every one of these stories, which are all individually extremely important to our faith and our walk. And you'll miss the forest that Luke is trying to paint for us. So I'm going to try to do a bit of a 10,000-foot view of what he's doing in this chapter and possibly come back next week and just extract one tree, if it were, to, to teach a point from it. So, so stick with me. All right? Can you, can you do that with me? Okay, good. Now, you have homework. Uh, your homework last week was to read Luke chapter 6. You have homework for this week. Your homework is, if you would put it up, read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. Now, here's what I would like us to do. Um, I would like you to set an alarm. I would like you to read it today before you go to bed. And at noon, I would like you to pray this every day this week until we get together next Sunday. Pray the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 and 10. Now do it in the midst of other prayers, say it with prayers, but I want you to read this scripture as a prayer for you because it is super important. Amen? Amen? Super important, right? And so just do that with me, set an alarm, and we'll all pray this together. All right, so let's get into the scriptures today. Luke chapter 6, uh, if you remember um, in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 5, uh, he appointed some disciples, and uh, he called uh, Levi to follow him. And then we, we start Luke chapter 6. Jesus and his boys are walking along during the Sabbath, right? They're just going through a field. He's talking. They're following, and his disciples start eating some of the grain in the field, right? And uh, to some people, this was very offensive. And they begin to ask Jesus and his disciples, hey, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath, right? What are you, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? 
And uh, Jesus says to them in Luke chapter 6, verse 5, he said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now that, that's kind of a big deal, right? Like if you've ever been in ministry and someone shows up to your church or your, your, your small group or your worship team meeting, those of you who've ever led a ministry and they have kind of appointed themselves as a leader in your ministry, that is annoying. Super annoying. If you've been in ministry, you probably know what I'm talking about. They have a better idea of how you should do what God told you to do than what God told you. And so here's Jesus showing up, and they're like, y'all are doing what's illegal on the Sabbath. Jesus said, oh yeah, by the way, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, meaning the Sabbath is somehow under me. I'm not under the Sabbath. The Sabbath is under me. So there's two Sabbath stories here to start Luke chapter 6. So on another Sabbath, he says, everyone was watching because now they're trying to build a case against Jesus. Watch when you're offended because when you're offended, you start building a case against people and you view everything they do through the case you're trying to build. Watch in your heart because we do that because we're we're not awful, but we can be awful at times, right? Like we start being suspect of everything they do. Oh, they must have wanted to. And they're not even thinking about you, right? Like you have, you're not even in their mind. But all of a sudden, you're, you think you're the center of their world and everything that you're doing has something to do with them, right? And so here's these Pharisees. They're watching him to see what he's going to do. And Jesus heals a guy. Now, not for nothing. Nobody's healing anybody. But Jesus shows up and heals a guy and they even use the good things he's doing to build a case against him, right? Watch this. Okay, so verse 11, they said to themselves, except, excuse me, they themselves were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do to Jesus. Run away from these conversations, right? This has nothing to do with my message, right? But run away from these conversations. We, oh, okay, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to say it anyways. I'm pro-life. I am pro-life. Amen? Is anybody here pro-life? I believe that from the time a baby is created until a human dies, we shouldn't kill them. We don't kill people. Jesus made it pretty clear. Don't kill people. I think that's an easy one to keep, right? Don't kill people. Okay, but what if, no, is that a person? Yes, don't kill them, right? It's I think I find it simple, right? Don't kill them. But, but, but what if, we don't, you know, just don't kill them. Right? Just don't kill people. Right? And so, um, you know, if you get into an argument with people who are arguing why it's okay to kill people, get out of the argument. It's like, yeah, I just believe we shouldn't kill people. Like, I'm just, this isn't something we need to debate. Right? But people are so offended, they think that they don't need to keep the rules of Jesus and kill people. Right? Like, just don't, don't get involved in that. Right? So, offended, you know. <laughs> okay. So they were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do to Jesus. <laughs> the easiest way to offend religious people is let them know they're not in charge. Right? And then, you know, they, they start to rise up and they get very, 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 very worked up. So Jesus lets these religious people know, hey, I know you guys have all agreed together that you're in charge, um, but you're not actually. Uh, God is actually in charge, and, I, and I'm his son, right? And so um, Jesus is like, um, uh, before I came, you guys read the book and interpreted it and figured it out what it meant among yourselves. But now I'm here, and I'm going to let you know what the book really means. 
Right? I need, I need you to understand that. Jesus showed up, and this is a huge deal. Come on, one claps, we all clap. Come on, come on. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. He says, listen, now I'm here. I'm going to give you the, interpreta- the proper interpretation of the law. And here's what he says. I want, I, I think this is super important because I want you to fulfill the call of God in your life. I, 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 want, I want, like we talked about uh, 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 two weeks ago, and when people are stuck in a pit I, and, and someone has gotten you out of a pit, I want you to be the person carrying around the ladder getting other people out of pits, right? That is, the, that is the missionary call on every Christian. You find somebody in a pit and you lower them a ladder. That, 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 is, that is our call, right? The call is not to get them to pray a certain prayer or to stop doing something that you don't like. The call is to give somebody in a pit a ladder and help them figure out how to walk up it, right? Jesus will take care of all that other stuff. He said the Holy Ghost will convict them of sin. We need to get them out of the pit so they can see that God is good, right? Then I want you to fulfill this call in your life. I want you to fulfill it. And if you don't get this chapter right, you're not going to be able to do it, right? So, 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 so you know, we, we have to understand that Jesus is not just principles. Uh, he's not just teachings. He's not just laws. You have to know Jesus, You have to know the man, Jesus. You have to know Jesus, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Because if you do not know him, you are going to reason that there's some philosophy or some argument or some doctrine that is higher than the teachings of Jesus. You will convince yourself that your offense is higher than Jesus. You will convince yourself that your greed is higher than Jesus or that your anger or your wrath or, or, or the American dream or, 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 or socialism or some ism is higher than the teachings of Jesus. But once you meet Jesus and you stay in regular contact with him, you recognize, oh my gosh, he's God. And everything else comes underneath his teachings, right? So you've got to know him. You have to know him. You have to know him, right? And so this is super important. Um, the religious people, I'm, I'm starting to boom and I'm not sure why, but I don't know if I'm good out there. Maybe, maybe, my, maybe I'm more anointed in this part of the message. I don't know. But, but I feel like I'm getting all boomy. <clears throat> um, I, I, I'm, religious people think they get to make the rules and they get very offended if they don't. Right. And that's that's important. It's important to recognize. And so these religious people, they really convince themselves that 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 they make the rules. And so here's what's important. Okay, every story that we read in this Bible, every story is in a chapter. I'm getting even louder now. Do we have any idea what's happening? I don't know what's going on. Don't look at the sound man. That's like the worst position in the world. Amen. Okay, so every. I mean, it's because every people give you the eye, like and he's like, I know what's happening. I'm trying to fix it. Give me a break. All right. So every story, this is important. Every story in this book um, is in a chapter, and every chapter is in a book, right? And every book is in the canon of the text. Now, um, if, if 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 you know when Luke wrote this book. It's after a very long story of God's history with people. We've we got to understand this. It's, it's, it's after when you meet somebody on the streets who doesn't know Jesus, and you think, you know, the same thing that worked on them is going to work on this person, like, and you don't know their story. Amen. You've just walked into a very long story yeah. that God wants to be in the middle of. 
And if you actually want to make someone a disciple, you're going to have to figure out where God is in that story. Now, I am not in any way um, saying if you meet someone and you lead them in a prayer, and I'm not saying not what not to do. But I'm saying if you want to make a disciple, you're going to have to at some point bring Jesus in the middle of their story. And that probably means you're going to have to be in their story. You get in their story, you find their story, you see what God has been doing in their story, and then you help let them see what God is doing in their story so they can cooperate with God on their story, right? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so what Luke is talking about here, about Jesus chapter 6, is, is part of a very, like, look at the book. It's part of a very, it's way late in the story. We got to understand how we got here. And if you don't understand how we got here, you're not going to understand what Jesus is doing. So, you know, <laughs> oh, Jesus. So the ministry of Jesus is built on something. Start with, so, you know, stick with me here. It started with the Torah, right? And Jesus is teaching people who studied the Torah. Torah is the first five books of the Bible, right? Uh, many Jews call it the book of Moses. So there's the first five books of the Bible that were called the Torah. Now, the Jews, they didn't believe that you could on your own interpret the Torah, they didn't think, like, I could just, just me and the Bible, that's all I need. That, that there's no concept of following God outside of your community. It's not, it's not present in Judaism at all. It's never been present in covenant with God. It's never been, well, I just need me and God, and that's all there is. It's never been part of scriptural following God. It's never been, a, I'll just choose to be alone with him. No, you are part of the community of God's people. Therefore, you need God's people to understand what God is saying. So, amen. So the Jews didn't interpret the Torah. The Jews didn't interpret the Torah. Rabbis did. Rabbis studied their whole life. And at 30, you could become, you could just become, just begin to become a rabbi. And the rabbis decided uh, how you live Torah life. Now, Torah has many meanings. It means book. It means the law. It means more, more correctly, I think, for what we're talking about, God's way. right? And their desire was to live Torah, live God's way. And you don't just come up with that on your own, right? Like it, you, 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 people who studied him, people who know what works, older people, you live God's way with God's teachers. Now, I'm going to get in the weeds here for a second, so just track with me for a second, all right? So the rabbis, um, the rabbis decided how you live Torah. Now, in addition to the Torah, the Jews have the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the original written word of the elder rabbis who interpreted how you live Torah, right? So the rabbis got together, they decided this is how you live Torah, and they had this oral tradition called the Mishnah. The Mishnah was written down as a commentary how we live as the people of God, right? Now, the Gemara is the record of rabbis discussing the Mishnah and how we apply the Mishnah, which interpreted the Torah, to this life. A lot going on there, right? So you got rabbis had discussions about how we use these rabbinical teachings that interpreted the law to our lives. Now, a Orthodox Jew would study both the, 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 the Torah. They would study the, 
the, the Mishnah. They would study the Chimera. And altogether, it's called the Talmud. The Talmud is the book that contains the Mishnah and the Gemara. And you study these things. And the reason I'm telling you all of this is when you read in the Bible about the rabbis, this isn't just like your pastor. And you just decide whether or not you're going to listen, right? Like this is like, this is, this is the community we live in for, for a thousand years, 2,000 years, over 2,000 years. These guys have been studying scripture. They came up with how we live Torah, how we follow God. They set up the ceremonies. They set up the feasts. They set up the festivals. They set up the sacrifices. When we get together, they talk about what things are kosher, what things are not kosher. We study. We study these books and people study it. Their whole life just so we can follow God's ways. Do you understand that now? It was very, very important. Then Jesus shows up, right? So (laughs) this is so funny. So uh, my wife, Tracy, her grandparents, well, actually her grandfather was an Orthodox Jew. And uh, he went to shul uh, every day. Now, by the grace of God, uh, both her grandmother and grandfather got saved before they went home to be with the Lord. And every time I think about it, I get choked up. I'm not going to tell you the story, but he got saved on the Day of Atonement wow. at 95. Wow. At 95, got saved on the Day of Atonement, received Jesus Christ as Savior. I'm getting choked up already. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Uh, so I got um, some of his religious books after he passed. I don't know that he read any of them. I'm not sure that he knew what was going on in them uh, because he just memorized the prayers in Hebrew. Uh, but one of his books, I was looking through it, um, I was looking through it this week. Uh, it's the New Union Prayer Book. It's, and, and so they had this, this book, which is how you do Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, as my wife's family calls it. Um, and, 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 here, here's, and here's a saying out of the Talmud that I pulled. Watch this. He says, put this up if you would. If you pollute yourself with sin, you will find all the gates open before you. But if you desire to attain the highest purity, you'll find all the forces of goodness ready to help you. That's a good word, right? That's, that's a good word. These people, don't, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. Jesus is that goodness. Right? Jesus is that goodness. Why do I bring this up? Am I teaching you something out of the Bible? No. My point is that God has had a people for a long time. And they've been doing some things, right? They've been trying to follow God, and they came upon some things. And these are the people that Jesus came in contact with when he showed up on the earth. Right? Like, this is who he came upon. Okay. Amen. So, so the Pharisees, they were in charge of all this teaching. They were in charge of... The, the Mishnah and the Talmud and, and the application and, 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 and um, all of this was so important and Jesus was going to mess all of this up, right? To them, this is settled. We know what's going on here and it's bad enough that the Romans are trying to destroy what we're doing. Now you who had just turned 30 and are becoming a rabbi, you want to mess it up? No, 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 no. No, you are not going to mess this up. And they're very angry that Jesus is messing up this order that they all agreed about. They, they all agreed it. And, and Luke, and in story, this story that Luke is telling, he's trying to lay out where Jesus comes into Israel's history and says, hey, I know you think you've got all this worked out, but I personally, me, this one 30-year-old guy, is going to change everything. And all of Israel is like, 
who do you think you are? And he's like, I am. <laughs> right? Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that you, you not, now you understand the tension that's happening here. This isn't just some Bible story about be nice. Like there's something very significant happening in this chapter that we have to recognize, right? Chapter six is a huge shift in the plot, right? It's a huge shift. So, so, so you know, I personally, um, I've gotten back to reading out of a physical Bible. I've read an electronic Bible for years. I've read on my, on my tablet. I read on my phone. I read on my computer. I just, did, I just find it super convenient. Um, but there's something about, I, I've, been, I've gotten back to reading out of my physical Bible and when I flip through pages, there's some sort of tactile response knowing that I'm touching something real, right? But also, when I, when I look at Luke chapter 6, I see physically, I see, oh, wait a minute, there's more to the story. This little thing that I'm reading right here in 6 is not the whole story. This verse is not the whole wisdom. This chapter is not it. And this New Testament is part of a way, there's way more to the left than there is to the right. Right? There's way more going on. And for me, for me, um, it's important that like, like as I'm reading this physical Bible, for me, it helps me remember what's happening right now in my life. There's more. There's more happening than this little thing that I'm studying, that I'm praying on, that I'm thinking on. There's, there's, there's more that came before this, and there's more God stuff to come. There's, in your life, I don't know what season you're in right now, but this, this isn't the beginning of your story. And let me tell you, it's not the end of your story either. I, I don't know what pit you have found yourself in, and, and there's no ladder down there, but this is not the end of the story. I, like, like, I don't know what you have fallen into, what trap, what sin, what nonsense, what you've repeated. This is not the end of the story. Okay, hold on. You got me preaching now. You got me preaching. I'm, I'm running out of time here. Amen. So in your life, God is authoring a story. Now, you may not like the chapter that you're in right now. I don't like every chapter in this book. Some of these chapters, are, I'm, I'm reading my way through the Psalms, and I like some of them more than others. Like some of them, things are not going well, and I don't want to identify with those chapters, but they are as real as the exciting chapters. So you may not like the chapter you're in, but if you let God shape this story, this might be the chapter that shifts everything for you. If you let God help you write this uncomfortable chapter that you're in, this Luke chapter 6 light, uh, chapter in your life, if you let God co-author it with you, this, this struggle, this, this confusion, this not sure what's coming ahead, this darkness that you might feel that you're in, if you allow God to help you co-author this chapter, this could be the chapter where you say, everything changed in the midst of that struggle right there. Can you say amen? But you got to let him co-author this story with you. You, you got to let him co-author it with you. You got to give him some room to write in the midst of this chapter. So Luke starts the chapter with Jesus giving the religious pe getting the religious people all worked up. Then Jesus went to pray. This is super important. So first, the religious people hated him. Then he went off to pray to find his disciples. He got the religious people to hate him. Had a little high point. You mean the disciples must have been like, man, we are going to be rich and famous. We got a teacher who can heal people and tells off the rabbis. This... This is something, right? Like, this is 
But they find out mm, the rabbis are going to want to kill this guy. Like, hmm. Then Jesus dips, right? He goes to the mountain. He prays. And he figures out who his disciples are going to be. Now, you might be asking yourself, why am I going through this season right now? Like, Jesus, you could have healed this guy any day you wanted. Why the Sabbath? Why are you causing problems? And you may be asking God in your life, it'd be so easy for you to avoid the problems. Why the problems? It it might just be, see, these disciples, they didn't realize what was coming. They had no idea the religious persecution that was coming. They had no idea what they needed to be strong enough to endure. And it might just be that in this season, God is preparing you as a disciple for what you are going to conquer in the next one. You see, if they didn't know what was, going to, what was happening, if they didn't know that the religious were already angry, if they weren't able to stand that little bit of persecution and that little bit of healing, there's no way they were going to be able to handle internally feeding the 5,000. There's no way they're going to be ready to handle raising Lazarus from the dead. There's no way that they would have been able to handle the persecution that was to come, nor the glory from seeing the gospel spread to Gentiles. You see, they had to see this little bit of trial to prepare them for what Jesus had in store for them. And it's possible this little chapter of suffering that you're in right now is preparing you to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. You say, Amen. Come on, he's working in your life right now. You may not see it, but he's working in your life. Jesus was looking for disciples who would stick with him when he was his real self. Jesus, I can't, I can't, what am I going to hide that I'm the Savior? Am I going to hide that I'm the Messiah? You want me to hide so the religious people don't get upset? Are you serious? You want me to be fake so you could be happy with me? No, no, see, Jesus is like, you're not dealing with that kind of man. You are not, and this is what he wants for you. This is what he wants for you. Oh, you want me to perform so you don't get upset? You don't want me to be my authentic self so you could be happy? Uh-uh, no, no. That's, see, Jesus is like, no, no, no. They didn't want him to be his authentic self. And Jesus is like, I can't help but be me. Well, I'm supposed to be someone else? No, I'm, I'm, no I'm, I'm pretty happy with who my father created. I'm good right here. I'm, amen. That's why Satan had nothing to offer him. Jesus was not, he didn't have any illusions about who he could be. But the enemy couldn't say, but wouldn't you want to be someone else? He's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good being my authentic me. You see, when you're not satisfied being your authentic you, the devil can come tempt you to try to be someone else, get you right out of your calling, right out of your mission, and watch this, right out of your blessing. That's what happens. He just move you right on out of it. Oh, but don't you want them to like you? Like, no, not if that, no, that's, you know, that's sin. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to sin so they'll like me. No, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be righteous right here, lined up with God, lined up with my call, lined up with my blessing. Can you say amen? All right, come on. Y'all are dragging me off my message. We need to get this so I can move on. All right, so verse, here we go, verse 20. I feel, I feel, I'm feeling like God is doing something right now. So we get to verse 20, and, um, and, uh, and now uh, he's, he gets to verse 20, he turns and he starts teaching his disciples in what's called the Beatitudes, right? Now there's two sets of Beatitudes in the Bible. There's the, the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. Don't get confused by this. Jesus was an itinerant minister. He didn't have like a YouTube channel, right? So he preached the same message all over. You get that, right? Like it, 
he preached the same message all over because there were people all over. And so he went on tour, right? And so he's, he's teaching the same message. And it was a little different here and there. So at one point, he was standing on the side of a mountain uh, preaching a sermon. They call that, watch this, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so here he's on a flat place, kind of like a plain. And they call this in Luke, the sermon, watch this, the Sermon on the Plain. See, so it's the same message, basically, two different places, recorded a little differently by two different people. So don't get confused by that. Watch this. And so in this sermon, we call it the Beatitudes uh, because they call the Blesseds, right? He tells them that, you know, I am building a new kingdom. I'm just, I'm just going to go a little long here today. I just want to confess right now. I'm going a little long. It is what it is. I'm having a good time, though. I feel like God's word is going to strengthen somebody today. So, so, so he tells them, listen, I am building a new kingdom. And this new kingdom has new rules. Those who are on the bottom, those are the ones I'm looking for. And if you're prideful, I don't have any use for you, right? This, this is what he's teaching. He tells them things like, you know, if they slap you on the cheek, eh, give them the other cheek. So, 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 so what's, 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 what's he doing here? What, what, what is he doing here? Jesus is getting the teachings of the Old Testament, right? And he is giving a rabbinical interpretation of them. And at the same time as his rabbinical interpretation, he is now discussing with his disciples how we're applying my rabbinical interpretation of the Torah. Jesus is giving them a new Mishnah and a new Talmud. He is literally saying, yeah, all these rabbis, you know, good job. Yeah, very good. Very happy for you. But now I'm going to give you what you should have come away with. He's changing everything. He's giving them an entire new framework to view the scriptures. All right. Okay, here we go. So he tells them, I'm building a new kingdom and it has new rules. Those are on the bottom. Watch this. He says in, in, in Matthew 5, 38, watch this. Let's track along here. He says, you've heard that it was said. What, 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 what's he saying there? You've heard that it was said. That's what you read in the Mishnah. That's what the rabbis have taught you. This is what you've always grown up knowing. This is what you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your cheek, turn the other to him also. He's saying, he's saying listen, listen, um, let me tell you what my true authentic self says. This is who you thought I should be. If someone, someone does something to you, you go ahead and get them back. Get some revenge, gossip. Go ahead and turn people against them. Go ahead and, 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 and try to undermine them. Go ahead and just be angry. Don't let anybody get over on you again. Go ahead and be vengeful. Go ahead and be an unfree. Go ahead and do that. He's like, I know you heard that. But I say, there's a better kingdom. But I say, right? And they're like, whoa, wait, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, this is not what we have been told. And this doesn't even feel right. He's like, yeah, I know, because you're not in the kingdom yet. When you get in the kingdom, it's all going to make sense. But he's preparing them, right? What we have to remember is it's what Jesus says is all that matters. it's It's what Jesus says is all that matters. There's lots of arguments. There's lots of, there's lots of opinions, lots of teachings, but it's Jesus. What Jesus says is all that matters. Well, watch this. In, 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 in Matthew chapter 16, here's how he said it. In Matthew chapter 16, he said to them, he says, he says to Peter, remember he's having this conversation? Peter, who do you say that I am? 
And Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Remember, it's only what Jesus says that matters. Peter said, you know, you, you are the Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18, I also say to you that you are Peter. Now, you call yourself Cephas, you know, that, that's, that, that's cute, mom and dad call that. But I say, right now, he's, he's letting them know already, I, it's what I say that matters. But I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now, I, 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 this is so important. So, so this conversation that Jesus is letting people know, it's what I say that matters. And he says to Peter, this revelation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, he is the one that we view God through. He is the one that we view the scriptures through. He is the one that we view truth through. This is what matters. And Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia upon this fact. Now, ecclesia, you know, in Christianese means called out ones, the church, but this was a Greek word before they ever wrote the scriptures. And this Greek word ecclesia meant a gathering, but not just any gathering. Original, it was a political gathering. It's where they came together, made laws, judged things. This ecclesia would come together to judge. And as time went on, this this, this ecclesia, the word kind of morphed a little bit to any collection of people gathered around a common interest. So your church might be, uh, you know, people who skateboard. And you get together with your skateboard people and you go skateboarding. That was your church, right? Or, or maybe you were in a softball league and, and, and you're like, that's my people. This is what we do. We play softball. That's my, I go to a church, an ecclesia, a group of people gathered to do something. Or you might do a beach cleanup and there you gather with the church cleaning up the beach. And, and so today we think that church is only uh, maybe what religious things are happening on Sunday morning. But Jesus said, I am building my own church. And my church is not based on a softball league or cleaning up the beach or, you know, having, you know, lunch on Sunday afternoon. My church is based on my teachings. I am building my church and my church. Now, you could join lots of churches, but my church is a church that's based on my teachings and my ways. The words of Jesus are important. It's the basis of everything that he's doing. Okay, let me tell you this real quick. You got to watch out for people who cool off on Jesus' teaching and still say they're part of the church. Now, I'm not saying get judgmental, but it's super important to understand who is in your church and who you're evangelizing for your church. We all go through hard times. We go through times of struggle. We go through times of disappointment. We go through times of hurt. We go through times of thinking that God is not near. And in those seasons, sometimes we begin to cool off a little bit and start looking for solutions elsewhere. Can we be honest? I'm not talking about doctors. I'm not talking about any, go, go to the doctor, please. Lord Jesus, please, right? Like that's, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about going to a money manager. I'm not talking about going to a therapist. But the ultimate truth comes from Jesus. And when you see people whose lives don't seem to line up like that, we need to love them enough to say, hey, your church is built on Jesus. All these other things are not Jesus because this is what Jesus said. And this is why, watch this. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 19. He says, I, you who are in my church, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Those who recognize that Jesus Christ is the foundation of truth, that he is the Messiah, 
Jesus says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, keys are signs of authority. And Jesus said that they have their kingdom and I have my kingdom. They'll give you authority in their kingdom, but I'll give you authority in my kingdom. And when you're in my kingdom, it's based in heaven. And when you are in my kingdom, I'll give you keys to that kingdom in heaven. You used to be Greek. You used to be Roman. Not anymore now. You are in my kingdom. You're a disciple of Jesus. And in this kingdom, Jesus Christ is the boss. Can you say amen? This, this, this is the truth. The Mishnah, the, 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 the Gamaliel, the, the Talmud, the teachings of the rabbis, they used to dictate life, but Jesus is like, now I am here, and I will tell you how to view the scriptures. And then Jesus kind of makes a joke about the rabbis. Watch this. Luke chapter 6, verse 39. And these are people who don't want to follow the teachings of Jesus. He says, and he spoke to them in a parable. And he says to them, hmm, a blind man, he, he, he can't guide a blind man, can he? Won't they both fall into a pit? Uh, the student's not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. What, 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 what's, what's Jesus saying here? He's saying, man, these people who don't see that I'm the Messiah, that my ways are the only ways, that my words are the only words, they're blind. And if you're following them, you're going to fall along the pit with them. You're called to pull people out of a pit, and you're going to walk into a pit with them. Are, are, are we getting this? Jesus is changing everything here about what it means to follow God. It's the people who know him are the one you're supposed to be following. So I would ask you today, who's teaching you? Who's speaking into your life? Who, who, who is teaching you? Whose teachings are at the top of the pit? Is it the people who are the best money managers? Are those the people you're tracking with? Is the people uh, maybe on the, on, 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 who are just more concerned uh, about social issues uh, than the Jesus who wants to put social issues in order? Uh, is it a politician? Is it, is, it, is it your offended mom? Like, who is teaching you? Who is speaking into your soul today? You better know. You, you better know, and you better set that person up on purpose. Don't just let somebody slide into your life and start speaking things to you. And the next thing you know, I'm following them. Wait, why am I following them? You better know. Are their teachings based on the word of God? And are they leading you to the kingdom of heaven, which is led by Jesus? Amen. Can you, can you say amen to that? Listen, you're here right now. The spirit is at work in your life. He's opening scriptures. He's speaking to you about how you need to live. This, 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 this is important. And then Jesus gets to this place where it all turns. He was setting them up for this moment. He, he, he makes this sermon on the plane, and he says this in verse 41. I'm going long, but just track with me here for a second. Verse 41, he's setting them up right now. He lets them know, listen, I'm making you disciples. You better recognize who I am. You better understand that there's a kingdom that you want to be a part of, and there's a kingdom you need to shun. And, and, and I'm about to you, you get ready for the grind because it's about to happen, right? And then he says here in verse 41, the Sermon on the Plain. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me out the speck. Let, let me take the speck out of your eye. When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. See, when you're in judgment... When you're, when you're in judgment and offended, you can't see God. And you can't lead God's people. Because all you see 
is this huge log of judgment. That's all you see. And God, like, uses this example on purpose. You can't see your own eye. I told the story a couple weeks ago about how Tyler drew a picture of the speck on my face, which made me recognize that I had a spot that I needed to take care of. And it led me to the doctor and like, you, you, better, you better have somebody in your life pointing out some logs. You, you better have some friends that when they say, hey, hey you might, might want to look into this, your first response is, okay, I'll look into that. You, you, be, you better have it, Jesus, you better have it. Because if you think you're the only speck spotter, you think you're the, you're the chief speck spotter, you got some issues coming your way. You got a cancer spreading on your face. You think you're the anointed speck spotter, you better watch out. Because there's a log that's hanging out your face that everybody else sees. But since you have anointed yourself the speck spotter, ain't nobody telling you because they know they, keep, they don't want to offend your pride because it's not worth it because you don't even listen. Come on, you better get humble. Every now and then you better sit down with somebody and say, you see any specks in my life? Do you see it? Can you look into my eye for me, doctor? Can, can you just take a little look-see for me? Am I missing something? You better have someone in your life and you better listen to them. Watch this. It don't matter nothing they say until you're offended. Then what they say is more important than anything they've ever said to you. Come on, I'm just speaking truth right now. You better have somebody in your life that says, hey, 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 Carl, man, man. Oh, I heard what you just said. That's awesome. That's awesome. But can we just talk about this sentence that you made? Because that sounds like cancer right there. That sounds like there's something wrong in your heart. And everything else that came after that is polluted. Oh, Jesus. All right. Hello. I don't want to go down that road. I got people offended and they don't, you know, I don't want to go down there. I love you all. So Jesus is saying, deal with your own mess. You Pharisees think that God sent you here to point out everybody's problems? Are you serious? Y'all got your own problems right now. Temple systems corrupt. Your teachings are corrupt. Perverting the word of God so you can get rich not getting anybody connected to God. Here you are thinking you're somebody, walking around with your pride, condemning people, and you think you're in a place to, to, to judge people? Man, y'all need to get right. I'm going to start with these people who are nobody, who don't think they're somebody. I can See, that I can work with. Some people who are humble enough to know they got issues, I can work with that, right? And so that's who Jesus gets as his disciples. And this is what he tells them. Deal with your own mess. Keeping the laws is not enough. Come on up, man. Y'all got it so excited, you missed your cue. Come on. I love you guys. I didn't mean that, I didn't mean that in judgment. I, you're doing a great job. Thank you. He's like, deal with your own mess. Keeping the laws is not enough. And then he goes on to teach a couple stories here. And then he teaches a couple stories. And I'm, I don't have time to walk you through them. But, but he teaches a couple stories. He starts talking about a tree. He's like, hmm. Remember, he's talking about judgment. Talking about bitterness. Talking about people not speaking into your life. And he says, yeah. When you got this log in your eye, it's like you're a tree. And every bit of fruit you produce is toxic. And anybody who eats from your tree gets poisoned. You think you're out there producing fruit of righteousness. Look what I'm finding. Look what I'm discerning about people. Look what I'm pointing out. Now, you a toxic, rotten, polluting tree. Jesus is like, it's not a problem. There will be some pruning to come. 
But I just, I, I like getting pruned when I'm young, right? I like, I like, I like, I like, hey, I'm starting to grow a little branch over here. Is this branch all right? Because if not, can we deal with it now? Because I'm going to need it later on. Because it's going to hold some things that I like later on. And if this branch is corrupt and it's got to get cut off, I'm going to lose some stuff that I like. I don't want to lose stuff that I like. Let's do it now before it's strong enough to hold stuff that I want to keep. Are you with me here? And, and let me tell you this, that, that, that wicked tree, for many of you, that's the voice of judgment that you keep hearing. That, 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 that's, 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 that's that word that when you lay down at night, that there's no grace in your life. Nothing but judgment, nothing but failure, nothing but bitterness. No love. That's that voice that says, you should just follow me. You should just follow me. Don't listen. Don't listen to that voice. That's not the voice of God in your life. That's, that's, can't, can't, can't spew forth salt and fresh water. And so the Jews are like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know what we're supposed to be doing now because everything we've known is about following these laws. I, I need to hit this one more time. Some of you, the law you've been hearing is nothing but judgment in your ear. And that is not the voice of God. It's not the voice of grace. It's not what Jesus came to do. He did not come to condemn you. It's not what he came for. And so they say to Jesus, man, like, what, 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 what are we supposed to do? Everything's shifting. He leaves them dangling till about Luke chapter 10. And he's like, you know, it's easy. Just love God and love your neighbor. How do you want to be treated? Treat people that way. Now, if, if you are someone in that, those voices of condemnation are constantly in your head that you are not enough. That you are a failure. People are judging you. I, I would kindly just, I just want to suggest this. This isn't for everybody. But I would watch how you look at other people. Start giving grace more than you think people deserve. Start sowing grace so that you can walk in grace. If you see someone messing up, ask if you can help. Don't stand in the seat of condemnation because you're living in a bed of condemnation. You need to get out of that. You need to start sowing some new seeds so you can start reaping some grace. Does that make sense? It, 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 come on. It starts right in your head and in your heart and how you begin to treat other people. I'm just going to love people, no matter how messed up they are. And pretty soon, you won't see people as messed up at all. You'll just see people created in God's image. <clears throat> That's a good word. It's a good word. And at the very end of this chapter, Jesus starts talking about a firm foundation. The firm foundation of Jesus. I'm going to end with this. He says, if your life looks like the teachings of Jesus, your life is going to be stable. Not unpredictable. I mean, not predictable. <laughs> not predictable. Stable. Not boring. Stable. There's a difference. Stable is, I, for me, stable is better than where I was. Predictable is what I would like. He didn't guarantee that. He did guarantee that you're not going to get knocked out the boat, though. And if you do get out the boat, he's going to be there with you. He didn't say there won't be a storm your boat will be in. 
But he says the boat that you're in will not sink because he's got you in it. That's the teachings of Jesus. Good God, I've gone too long. Okay. There's this imagery throughout the Bible. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void. There's water covered it, right? There's this stormy chaos. Later, there's a story of the ark. The earth is stormy chaos, but those who are in the ark are safe. Later, Jesus talks about a stormy water, but those who are in the boat that Jesus got them in are safe. Listen, let me tell you, when you're in the boat that Jesus has you in, do not worry about the storm around you. You're going to be safe. Now, his teachings, no matter how counter they are to our culture in our world, are a safe place to abide in. Amen. Amen. That's a good word. Amen. 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 And so he says, your life's going to be stable if you built it on what Jesus teaches. These hard things. This, this Sermon on the Mount message. You build your life on that, it's going to be safe. If not, you've built your life on sand. So what have you built your life on? I want to ask you today. The lies of the devil? What some jealous person said about you? Maybe some old boyfriend, what he accused you of as, as, he, as he walked out of your life or what your wounded parents said to you in the midst of their hurt. It doesn't matter, man. It, what those people have said doesn't matter. It's what God says. It's what God says. God says that you will be above and not beneath. That you will be the head and not the tail. Stand with me if you would. I'm going to close with this. It's time for us to view God and His promises through the words of Jesus Christ. What Jesus has said about you. That when you confess Jesus Christ, you're part of a church that He's building on a rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Though it feels like all the world is coming against you, it feels like you're being torn in two, feels like there's all these armies surrounding you, God's word says that the gates of hell will not win in your life. He didn't say if you never fail, they won't win. He didn't say if you never mess up, they won't win. He didn't say if you never get caught in anything. He said they will not win win in your life. And His Word is a sure foundation that you can build your life upon and that you can see Jesus Christ and His kingdom birthed on the inside of you. Can you say amen? Come on, this is His promise for you. God wants to prosper you. He says He's going to deliver you with His strong right hand. This is God's Word for you. Now, I want to sing this song that we sang at the end of worship. I'll tell you what, when we sang that song, I felt like there's my message. I don't even need to preach now. I'm good to go. I felt like I've been to church at this point. You ready, Anastasia? You ready? Okay. Well, let's do it. Come on. Let's, 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 let's declare this over our lives. Amen? Come on. I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice cause you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. And I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship. 
worship you and if it puts me in the fire i'll rejoice because you're there too come on gonna be there i won't be formed by feelings i hold fast to what is true and if the cross brings transformation then i'll be crucified with you because death is just the doorway into resurrection come on make it Tonight, right now, make it your prayer. Come on. this morning that you would be magnified in our life that there would be no teacher that we hold above you there would be no ethic that we hold above you there'd be no truth that we hold above you we ask that you would come with your word and your spirit and you would cut everything away from us that is not our true selves created to glorify you to glorify your teacher your teachings and to lower that ladder to someone else in a pit in this world in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen and amen listen I love you listen read let's every day at noon let's read the Sermon on the Mount together let's pray it and we'll join next week and watch God do something significant in our hearts if you need prayer there'll be people at the front we'd love my wife and I'll be out outside we'd love to say hello to you bless you and have an amazing week give it up for the worship team if you would